when you open yourself up to everything that you truly desire, the desire that's within you will magnetize all that you require in the seen and the unseen world. Welcome to the Free to Be Show. My name is Cordelia Gaffar. I'm the CEO of Workout Around My Day and the Ultimate Joy Goddess. I guide highly intelligent women to be aligned in their four minds and become multi-orgasmic through 90-day embodiment experiences and intensive embodiment experiences as well as one-on-one -on -one intensive experiences. Allow yourself to be free. Hello and welcome to the Free to Be Show. I'm so excited to introduce my next guest today. Um, I want to, I, I invited her to the Free to Be Show because of um, her genuine love for elevating women um, especially high achieving women. And I'm going to read some highlights out of her um, bio so you understand what I'm saying and where she's coming from. And then I'll let the, less, the rest unfold as we have our conversation today. So today I'm happy to have Melinda Whitstock and she's a five-time serial entrepreneur and the CEO and founder of Padopolo, which is how I met her. Um, the AI-powered interactive podcast app and creator um, marketplace revolutionizing podcast discovery and discussion and making podcasting profitable for creators. Melinda also hosts the fast-growing Wings of Inspired Business, and she interviewed me several years ago, so you can go back and see um, or listen to that podcast episode. And she was named, uh, the podcast named by Entrepre Entrepreneur Magazine as eight of 20 of the top business podcasts for 2020. You see how exciting that is? I, like, I, I couldn't even get the words out. But most importantly, the Wings mission is to lift as we climb, helping female founders leverage their feminine power. So with that, I'm going to let the rest of who she is unfold in this conversation and welcome Melinda to the show. Uh, Cordelia, it's great to be with you as always. And I can't believe that, I mean, because we talked on my podcast like a long time ago, but it, sitting here with you today, it feels like just a nanosecond ago. So. <laughs> yes, I, I, I love being in your energy as well. So tell me, where did it all begin? And um, how, how did you decide that this is going to be your mission to lift as we climb? Oh, gosh. You know, I've always been a strong woman. I just, you know, and I, I used to get these remarks in college from other women that would be like, you're so strong or you're like, like, as it was a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was like, so confused by this. But anyway, you know, along the way, you know, I've always pioneered, whether I was pioneering as a, as a, a, a top journalist in the UK or as a television news anchor um, you know, and obviously as an entrepreneur as well, and especially in tech, where I was often the only woman in the room. And, you know, when I created my podcast, uh, it was self-interested in the sense that 
God, I wish I'd had this when I was coming up because it felt often like quite a lonely journey. Like just by breathing, you felt like you were sort of emasculating men and, <laughs> and at the same time sort of weirdly threatening women. And what was stopping women from just being in their full power um, rather than, um, you know, sort of falling back into, I don't know, something that was not their full power and then led to jealousies or scarcity or resentments of other women and that kind of thing. And I, I, I or, and I don't know, I had just swimming in the sea because when women step up to do extraordinary things, there is often a lot of, I don't know, let's just call it not support for that. Crabs in a barrel. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and I just really wanted to change that game. Like, how can we, because this is only really going to be solved, all the kind of issues of patriarchy or whatever. It's only really going to be solved when enough women, a tipping point of women, truly support other women in being all they can be. And it's a shift from scarcity thinking to abundance thinking. I think as women, we've all been in scarcity because there's been like, oh, there's only enough positions for this many entrepreneurs or this many executives or this many influencers or this many podcasts, you know, right? Yeah. We just have to get out of that mindset so that we're actually really supporting each other. So the whole mission of Wings was lift as we climb uh, hence wings. Uh, but it was to catalyze an ecosystem where women, uh, particularly in the entrepreneurial context, support each other by buying each other's products, you know, promoting each other, mentoring each other, investing in each other. Because together, as we say on the podcast, you know, we all soar higher when we fly together. And if you look at men and how men operate in business, they do that. They support each other. They let, they help each other. There's no issue around it. And I think because over many, 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 many decades, years, you know, hundreds of years, there's no scarcity around it, you know. And so they're more generous in that sense with each other. And how can women be more like that? So that was really, it's really born of my own experience, I guess. Yeah, I love that. And I, and I love your new, um, well, it's not new, but a different uh, way to understand abundance, right? Because where does the crabs in a barrel mentality come from? But, well, if I give it to her, then I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. Exactly. <laughs> and if I'm miserable, I want her to be miserable too. I mean, you know, it's, it, what does that get anybody? No, it's, it's not going to help anyone at all. And also... I like the way you kind of allude to the privilege that men have, right? Because they're just like, oh, there's enough for everybody. Have some, you know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's exactly right. And 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 so, it, I mean, all these things, I mean, you know, it takes time because I think there's a lot of fear for women because to really step up, like to have the, I don't know, the female version of the cojones to say, I'm building a billion dollar business. Yeah. Right? Which I am. Okay. And, and you get a lot of clap back for that. Like what makes you think, or are people just looking at you sort of like you get side eye? <laughs> I know. And, and let's dive into that. It's like, I, what I love about you and your mission is that you're all about changing the collective consciousness, beginning with yourself and then to your sisters around you, you know, and so people listening to you, especially, especially since we started out talking about how um, strong you are, they may not think 
that you have a softness within you. Oh my God. I'm like a, I'm a cancer. Yeah. So, so that Are is, you really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, so it's, am I'm, I. <laughs> and technically I'm on a cusp, like I'm right. Cancer Leo cusp. So I think I'm confusing to people for that reason. Cause I think a lot of people would take me for a Leo because, mm -hmm. because even though I'm a really deep introvert, I've gotten good at this kind of thing. Right. But you have to. I have to, yeah. Introvert in the sense that it's it. I I'm really happy just by myself with my own time, you know that kind of thing. I need I need to recover from you know. But but again, you know, to to uh, run and grow a business or just in my career as a journalist, you get good at these things with practice over time, right? And I do enjoy connecting with people on a really deep level. But I think like a lot of Cancerians, you know, you have this exterior, but inside you're sort of, you know, a little bit like, you know, I'm not a very sensitive, intuitive person. So, yeah. So let's talk about that. Um, you are a spiritual practitioner, which I didn't know until I read your bio and I was like, you're what? <laughs> right. So of meditation, yoga and gratitude. Let's talk about that. Those are the really big ones in my spiritual journey. So like, even as a kid, I was really interested in, I guess what you could loosely describe metaphysics or whatever, you know, I, know I couldn't pronounce that word didn't know what that word meant, but I was just fascinated by like how everything worked and how we were connected and where we connected to the stars, you know, all this sort of stuff. Like I, I just always, always just been interested in way woo stuff, but I have a, a, a very powerful analytic mind. And as a journalist, you know, and, and as a business person, you know, you're very, you can be very, very stuck in that and it can drown out that more right brain kind of intuitive side. And I think when things happen in our lives that are sort of like wake up calls, they're usually kind of struggles or setbacks or challenges or whatever. They're there for a reason because they're there to help us grow. And so I'm not unique uh, to anybody else in that sense. And I've had a number of those in my life and they're always, I've come to see them as learning opportunities and actually to be grateful for them. So I'll talk about gratitude first because about 10 years ago, my marriage was ending and I was married to an alcoholic narcissist mm. and gradually without knowing what narcissism was, but you know, gradually over time that had really diminished me. Like I felt like I was just walking on eggshells and it was, it was horrible. I don't really want to go into that experience, but when I was at my rock bottom in that, like, what am I going to do? Like, how am I going to survive? Like, how am I going to with my deal with my, you know, my, my kids, you know, just all that. Right. And there was a big financial blow at the same time. So I really felt like kind of untethered and whatnot. And I was literally walking through a bookstore when a book fell off the shelf. And I'm really not kidding. It actually fell off the shelf and it was about gratitude. And it was written by the same woman who wrote The Secret. And it was like kind of a follow-up book. And it had this really strict course in it about how you practice gratitude. And it was really involved. It was like a two-hour practice every day, you know. And, and I did it. And I went from a feeling of just, you know, fear and kind of, I guess, depression. I don't, I don't know. You know, I was kind of, it was, it was a horrible circumstance. And um, I went from a feeling of powerlessness and all of that to feeling actually really within a couple of days of just doing this gratitude practice, feeling joyful. And it was kind of miraculous because my circumstance hadn't changed at all. 
Like I had all this, all the same facts, all the same things. But once I shifted into this joy, because I realized there were so many things in my life that I could be grateful for, like, you know, everything from friends to talents, abilities or lessons learned or like the pencil in my hand or I mean, a, a million and one things, the rose bushes outside, the, the, all of that. And to really focus in the present on all the things and all the ways that that on my life journey, all the things I could be grateful for, it was absolutely transformational. So I think you get where I'm going there is when, when you're in a, a joy and, and that kind of thing, you're vibrating at a much higher rate um, and you do attract into your life what how you're feeling like, you know, where you are. So if you're on top of the world, people, you're magnetic. People want to be around you and the people who are operating at that same frequency of how you aspire to be are more likely to be in your orbit. And that started to happen to me. And I literally, it was like a Phoenix kind of <laughs> the ashes that really started with that gratitude process. And through that, I discovered a lot of other modalities. So I'd, I'd previously, I'd been doing yoga in a, you know, daily practice, uh, really since the early nineties. Um, and I had, and I had gotten into meditation, although oh, wait, let's I, just go back. You started when you were six. Is that what you're saying? No. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm kind of old anyway. So, uh, but yeah, uh, yeah. Like I went on a yoga retreat. I was living in London at the time and I went on this yoga retreat to Crete, not really knowing what yoga was. I just like, Oh, it looks interesting. I'm just going to go like, just say yes. You know, yeah. Very much part of my personality too. Like, oh, okay, that looks interesting. I'm just going to go do it, right? Who knows, right? And um, I learned the Ashtanga yoga practice. It was very, very physical, very demanding, but it made me feel so good. Like it was just in terms of getting rid of the. At that time, I was a journalist on the London Times, and I was media correspondent. There was this new thing called the internet. You know, I was like interviewing people like Steve Jobs. A very, very stressful job. Yeah. Uh, but rewarding, but very stressful. And I, I was kind of burnt out when I arrived. But the yoga kind of rejuvenated me, and I started to kind of get into. Uh, for the first time, being able to kind of quiet my mind. Mm. Um, and meditation had always been very difficult for me. So I needed that physical thing to be able to do that. Yeah. So when I really discovered gratitude, that started to merge into uh, a whole practice of uh, meditation, like like looping in gratitude, as well as visualization and intention and such into my meditation. What started to happen there is uh, the, the classic to-do list, which is never done, got banished from my life because yeah. you get no one ever does their to-do list and then you feel bad at the end of the day and you just feel overwhelmed and bewildered and like it's not good my meditations in the morning turned into more like asking for guidance for what my intention should be you know for the day so my to-do list then became an intentions list um from that intention list, it, it moved on again uh, several years ago to being more like an inspiration list because the morning meditation is like you realize the limits of your own, <laughs> yeah. your own power, your own control over a lot of things you can't control, especially in entrepreneurship. So um, it's kind of like goes something like, you know, that I know that, you know, that I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. And it's great that I don't know, because look, now I have like a whole day to discover, you know? Exactly. So kind of lay it on me, you know, like inspiration for the day. So I started to have these just uh, really what it is, is just learning how to be pr present 
in the present moment where all power is. It's not in the past. It's not in the future. Like usually when we're stressed because we're thinking about the past, we're upset about something or recrimination for something we did that like, oh, I wish I'd done that better. Or like, I wish that hadn't happened or that kind of thing. And in the future, it's usually fear. Like what is the future going to, is it going to happen the way I want it to happen? And all those kind of control and attachment issues. But when you're in the present, that's when you're creating your future. And so how you're being and how you're showing up in terms of your energy and whatnot in the present moment is really the only thing that matters in actual fact. And so I wish I could say I had like 100% consistency on all these practices because I profoundly do not. But I get, you know, I get better. And I find whenever I am in that moment, I can pull myself back into my practice, which just really helps. And it, 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 there's more things than, than gratitude because gratitude also leads to acceptance. And like in that case, and, and forgiveness, which is incredibly powerful, uh, not only forgiving others, but forgiving yourself. That was, that has been actually the hardest thing, you know, uh, for me, it was easier to forgive other people than to forgive myself for things that I perceive or like, oh, I wish I'd done that better or that kind of thing. Right. So again, like all spiritual practices, it's not something like you take the course and you get accredited and you're done, you know, like you're spiritually <laughs> evolved. It, no, it, it, it's, it's always, always evolving because as you go on that journey, life will test you in other ways. Like, are you really sure you want to be a person? You know, are you, are you sure? Right. And, um, but you start to, to find acceptance and, and forgiveness for even the things you can't control that you, you wish they would, weren't that way. But what, where can you find the silver linings in those things that happen to you as they inevitably will? So that's kind of the spiritual piece. And I think entrepreneurship also, by the way, played a huge role in this as well, because you think of what any entrepreneur, especially, and not just, you know, not, not that, you know, being a business owner, you know, isn't hard, but the type of entrepreneurship that's my thing is I, I guess I like to make it difficult for myself is, is innovation, like creating something that hasn't been done before. Okay. Which adds a whole layer of degree of difficulty to it because of just the uncertainty of that, the, the, it's like a scientist in the lab kind of iterating and testing new things and testing hypothesis until you, until you, you know, uh, uh, figure it out. Like you have what's called product market fit. People like your, love your product, you know, like at that point. And that takes time. And then there's things beyond your control and there's all sorts of stuff that happen along the way. And so without that kind of spiritual practice, I think it's very, very difficult to succeed at that type of entrepreneurship, you know, for sure. I, I, I love everything you said. And, and I just want, you know, for our viewers and listeners to really listen and hear what you're saying you know, again, yes, I have another guest who was reminding you that there's only the here and the now and that your experiences, whether you like them or not, they're for you. And it's an opportunity to be curious and grateful. And, um, and the last thing, and I, I think this is really pivotal and very important for highly intelligent women um, the kind of women that listen to my podcast because they're in tech <laughs> or they're in accounting, <laughs> you know, and they're always up in their brains and meditation is totally. a challenge, you oh, know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I love that you found an embodiment practice to help you to open yourself up to the gr gratitude practice. And 
that the book fell right in front of your face. It was just like, boom. Yeah. I mean, it was incredible because nothing pushed it over. <laughs> yes, because it was for you in that moment. That you you had and you probably don't remember, but it's a possibility, very highly likely that you were walking through the bookstore thinking, I need an answer to this problem, and the book fell. Well, yes. Yeah, so that's the interesting thing about the intentionality. Because had I been up in my analytic mind and in my head and thinking about what's tomorrow, what's what am I cooking for dinner, or like any of that, I, I, I probably wouldn't have even noticed the book falling off the shelf. And and it makes you think: How many times in your life are you given the answers? Like they're right there, but you're just not paying attention because you're not present. You're skipping ahead and you miss it. A hundred, like so many times, because I think it's it's all sort of there but we don't notice. I, I don't know if you remember, I forget who did this, but there's this famous video of uh, this, I think it's like a basketball game going on and like some monkey runs through the basketball game and like afterwards people are asked, so did you see anything unusual in the video? And everyone's like, no, like nobody saw the monkey run through wow. <laughs> because they're focused. But then when you watch it again, it's like so obvious. It's very obvious. In the middle of the basketball court. <laughs> <laughs> And that's the way it is in our lives. You know, it's just like, you. I wish I had the answer. And it's like, <laughs> hello, I'm the answer right here. Yeah. And, um, and so I want to spend the rest of our time together talking about how that has propelled you into this, like, just revolutionary, revolutionizing uh, platform that you're creating with Podopolo. Because you have to have your inner world aligned in a certain way to magnetize the things that you truly desire to create in the world. And, you know, you, you and our listeners, right? We were not put here to just sit in the corner and do nothing. We, we have a big audacious purpose within us, but you only find it when you do all that inner work, you know? Yeah. So tell me about your Podopolo journey. Well, it really started uh, on a couple of different levels. On the spiritual plane, it started because I realized that I'm, I'm a very mission-driven entrepreneur. So, you know, like improve the world sort of person. Like that, that, that runs through all my businesses. It's kind of my main why. It's more my why than like I want to be rich kind of thing. Like I, I, I want to do something good for the world has always been my core motivation to everything. And I, I realized that, wow, if we could just raise the world's vibration, you know, just a little bit more, we could solve uh, a lot of problems. And so um, my career has been entirely at the intersection of media and technology, you know, whether uh, pioneering different ways to personalize content or make content interactive or uh, the very beginnings of AI with unsupervised machine learning to actually understand content, what was being said, whether it was crowdsourced content or social media. You know, I have this kind of theme, you know, running through um, my life. And I've always been fascinated, especially starting out as a journalist, by what is truth. And it's very difficult in our society right now where we're living in a world where social media has created all these kind of filter bubbles and echo chambers where people can't even agree on basic facts now. And just the- Like actual facts. Actual <laughs> facts, right? Yeah. Like actual fact, you know, and, and people are very kind of attached to their team and whatnot because they're bathed in completely, like living in completely different worlds. 
and I think I foresaw a lot of that um, in in social media. Um, I get into the weeds about previous startups and how it was trying to solve those things kind of a little bit too early, maybe, um, for how bad the problem has begun and, and be become. And you add AI onto that with deep fakes and like voice cloning and all the things now uh, that can be done with AI. And uh, if we can't, as a society, agree on basic truths, how can we possibly have a democracy and how can we possibly uh you know solve a lot of the most intractable problems so all that is playing out in my mind also my intellectual thought kind of my life mission is very much to do with that right mm -hmm. uh and and um at the same time so i, I become a podcaster so i launch uh, wings of inspired business it was a 2017 and I quickly realized how difficult it is for podcasters to be discovered up against the algorithms. And then really Apple was the only game in town, but like very, very difficult to know who's listening or to engage your audience, let alone be able to monetize your content, like make money from all the work you do, uh, you know, in your show. And there was something really structurally at odds there. And I really wanted to democratize that to give the creator a lot more power, not only over their content, but ability to be able to make money from their content. So that was the beginning germ of an idea of just really understanding through all my media experience, what was wrong structurally in an entire industry. And at the same time, noticing that podcast listeners and viewers were having a lot of the same problems in terms of finding podcasts that were actually really interesting to them and like not really being able to discover like what's my new listen and uh like search podcast search is terrible um you know the recommendation engines like barely existed um and then moreover i've always had this feeling that that content is best when it's interactive when it's a conversation um so how could i take podcasting from what was, even though it's digital with RSS feeds and whatnot, it's kind of has had an analog mentality. And how could I take that into more of a, <laughs> I, you know, maybe quantum is a big extreme, but like, you know, really advance it. And in so doing, do one thing that solved the problem for fans, for podcasters, and also for advertisers, right? Um, and so that's really the genesis of Podopolo. And it's very much uh, uh, one of our highest values in the company is actually abundance mindset. And how that plays out for us is everything from win-win-win deals. How can we advance the entire ecosystem? Like we don't have to be the only game in town. In fact, you know, our AI API is licensed by hosting platforms and, you know, podcast ad networks and that kind of thing. So we can advance them as we advance ourselves. So you'll see the theme of lift as we climb from the podcast is actually inherent in the entire business model and structure of Podopolo itself. Like how can everyone win? Right. And it's the same thing in terms of our our team, like attracting a team that is really operating in that abundance mindset where, you know, no one's empire building or no one's trying to undermine someone else. But like everybody's lifting everybody else. Yeah. And and I think uh, it's trying to put the business on a new conscious plane where most businesses don't operate there. And I happen to think it's a real great opportunity for conscious entrepreneurs right now, whether women or men, to really reinvent business in such a way. And, and I do believe that the best businesses are going to be the ones that are truly collaborative in that way, rather than trying to be walled gardens. For instance, even 
when you look at blockchain and Web3, and I'm not talking crypto, but the inherent power of that is its decentralization to allow people to, say, in a social media context, imagine if you owned your own audience on social media rather than Facebook owning it. Yeah. Same thing with your content. And so that's a really big area of technical innovation for Podopolo as well around that blockchain, right? Uh, and so all the pieces kind of fit together. And maybe it's just like you get old enough where you can see the themes in your life about what's been important to you and where you've wanted to innovate or make a difference or whatever. And plus the things that have happened, I'm going to change. It's not happened to you, happened for you, right? Mm -hmm. All those things. And they all start to converge. And I feel like I'm at an interesting time in my life because it really all has converged in, in something that seems like very simple clarity to me now, but it didn't always. Yeah. And I, and I very easily see like, it's almost like stair steps and building blocks, all your experiences from yeah. the time you were a journalist to now, of course, this is what you're doing. <laughs> you know, yes. of course it is. People know my bio, they're like, oh, I can see how you, and not anybody else, came up with Podoblo, right? And um, but uh, and it and it and it does converge. And I think that's a really interesting thing for entrepreneurs, for entrepreneurs to be doing the thing that's truly their life purpose. But like, it sometimes it takes you a while to figure out what that life purpose actually is. It know? really does, and it really takes you going to what I call the edges of your mind, right? And that's that's what I see you did. It's like you went all the way to the, you know, the edge of journalism, then all the way to the edge of, you know, like the intersections of all these things. And you're shifting the dynamic of what podcasting is. I, you know, I really like as I'm listening to you, I'm like, wow, like the possibilities when you own your own audience, it's great to be in the top 2%, 5% or whatever. But like, if that platform goes away, you don't even know who those people you know are. Who they are. <laughs> no, not, yeah. I mean, like they always say the adage is if it's free, you're the product, right? So, so podcasters have had no real choice but to create these great shows for all these platforms that keep all the data to themselves keep all the audience to themselves. And that is the old way. That's the kind of scarcity. I'll call it a scarcity model because yeah. energetically it is. It's kind of like everybody's got to be here and like it's all for us and not for you. And, you know, right. Yeah. Um, as opposed to an abundance model. So Podopolo is just so wildly different in that respect, because imagine for a moment, well, for instance, say with blockchain, blockchain is a really interesting thing because uh, especially in the context of AI, and I'll get to that in a minute, but right now the way podcast ownership is authenticated is through an, an email address associated with an, a public RSS feed. So instantly you can see the problem of that. It's like crazy insecure. <laughs> yeah. Like, like how do you know that you actually, and especially with all these AI voice cloning techniques and, and things like that, right? Yeah. One of the things that Podopolo is launching very early in the new year is a way to authenticate the ownership of your podcast on the blockchain. Nice. Okay. Okay. And from there, there's all kinds of things that uh, uh, grow from there in terms of being able to, someone being able to click on your kind of blockchain profile and see all your associated content. So it aids discovery now from there. Uh, the ability to generate smart contracts or other things, but also to be able to interoperability, in, in, you know, the more and more this gets kind of adopted, 
to be able to port your audience and know your audience because you have you at you have the first party data of who's listening to your show. And you can literally take them. That's like a different kind of sales funnel. And, you know, let's face it. People listen to podcasts, not just for the content, but they relate to the podcaster, right? Absolutely. And they want to build a relationship with that person. They don't want to have to go out to like Facebook or any other place. They want to stay, you know, in that same place. Exactly. So it changes the whole dynamic. What's really funny is when we were, uh, you know, kind of held up in the business waiting for our funding. It's been a really 2023. Ever since interest rates started to go up, it's been a disaster for a lot of startups because of the venture capital money is completely dried up pretty much across the board uh, mm. because of the high interest rates and the cost of capital. So it's been hard. A lot of companies have died this year. It's been really, really hard for technology companies that really need, you know, funding. But like it's but it's also been you know, for the ones that are sort of resilient and figure out kind of, you know, how to pivot and different things to do, it's really led Podopolo, uh, uh much further in our original thinking of what's possible. Because Cordelia, you know, in the very early days of Podopolo, the main thing about Podopolo is let's make podcasting social. Yes. And that's kind of the core principle of it. And that was great. It's so much more than that now. Um, and I realized if I'd had the money, I would have built out the whole more web two, you know, existing kind of social structure. Mm -hmm. But for that money being delayed, it means that we're architecting in a decentralized way where people are able to own their own audience. Okay. So it actually creates another opportunity that you hadn't even calculated. Totally. And so this is where you can look at it. It's a little bit Buddhist, maybe, you know, you can look at it as like, oh, well, that sucked, but it didn't because it actually helped, you know, right? And, yeah. and, and you know, so like the more like so the the entrepreneur life is like this, right? It it just is, and and but you you start to get to the point where with each one of those is like, oh yeah, it's kind of it's like this, right? Because it's like, oh yeah, like I'm elated right now, like woohoo, you know, big deal, right? And it's right, it's kind of like in the waves you know it's like <laughs> here's the frequency today oh there's a big wave okay must be like right? the moon's cycles changed you know because <laughs> everything's sort of you know um but the other thing too that it led us to really advance our ai and so now on Podoplo, the ai is so powerful i mean you know to be able to uh, you know, there it's, you know, Podopolo is just a listening app like Spotify or Apple Podcasts or any other. It's got a lot of the same functionality and a lot more functionality. There's all kinds of really cool social things to do, like being able to create a clip and share that instantly across social media and such. Um, and a recommendation engine. The recommendation engine is about to get like hugely, hugely much better very early in the new year with the AI that's proprietary to us that we've architected that is able to go into hundreds of millions of episodes instantaneously because we have more than 6 million podcasts in all languages, genres, audio, video on Podopolo. Um, this is hundreds of millions of episodes. And that AI analyzes and tags line by line what's going on topically in that podcast so imagine like it can extract keywords key phrases sentiment like the ideal place for an ad break like the context around okay so if we're talking about sleep aids right now that's the perfect place for a sleep aid ad to be where it's going to help the advertiser because it's going to be relevant it's going to help the podcaster make more money or actually get money from advertising you know and such 
but it also leads to a whole bunch of generative tools as well because it can automate, you know, captions, it can automate show notes, it can automate, uh, you know, what's your best headline, you know, uh, for your podcast, you know, or title. Um, and, you know, auto-generate uh, short clips, for instance, and all these sorts of things. So, like, it's very, very, very powerful, and which is why, you know, we figured out, oh, my God, this is not just for us folks, podcast hosting companies, agencies, and you know, all these folks want to license our AI API. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. And, like, we wouldn't have even known to even think about that had we not been waiting for our funding. <laughs> yeah. You see? It's like... <laughs> The, the thing that I learn, and I'm going to connect the dots between your spiritual practice and the importance of that as an entrepreneur yeah. and like being an entrepreneur, is that you understand the wisdom behind the slow down to the speed up, right? That's, the, that's what really propels you. Um, if you're in the practice of slowing down, you know, and, and being in that vibration for yourself and and then what you do in the world will be an extension of who you be, right? Of who you already are. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious. This is like kind of like sidebar, but I never asked you this. Where did you come up with the name Padopolo? Oh, God, it's a funny thing. <laughs> so I was at this years back. I was at some podcast conference called uh, New Media Summit. And I was a podcaster, so I was brought in as an icon of influence, which I thought was incredibly pretentious. But anyway, I was an icon <laughs> of influence. And there was this, and all these people were auditioning basically to be guests on all the different icons podcasts. And there was this woman who stood up and she like, they all had two minute pitch. For whatever reason, she picked me to analyze my name, the spelling of my name, and tell me about myself based on my spelling of my name. And I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. It's kind of like numerology or like what's, yeah. what's that? Like that sounds really interesting. But she was able to diagnose the fact that I've always had kind of wonky knees, right? Like I've always in injured my knees and like I have like, you know, like, yeah, they're they're not great. Interesting. Um, and because of the way that the S and T in, in Whitstock or something like what? And I was just like, wait, this is crazy. Man. I need to figure this out. Right. So anyway, so she came on my podcast and I thought nothing much, you know, more about it. But then I was trying to figure out what's the name of Podopolo. Cause it, it was, cause all, all the pods, somethings were taken and the something casts were taken and mm -hmm. the, right. And all the different things. And she had this process. So I thought, well, I don't know. I'm just going to call her and see, what she thinks. And so she's like, and it was like a, something like, I don't know, like 200 bucks. And, and, and just tell me 10 things that you want people to feel upon hearing the name and tell me 10 things about your ideal client and tell me what you do. So I filled this out and sent it to her. And, uh, and she came back with a number of different things. And, and, uh, the first one was pod polo. And so there was no O in the middle of it. Mm. Um, and we kind of tested that out. And the polo, I think she'd, so because she'd heard me say, okay, well, we want to gamify the platform. And, oh. and, right. And we were thinking about the Greek word polis, mm -hmm. uh, community. Mm -hmm. And, like, you know, but most of all, 
wanted people to feel good when they heard the name, right? And like that it was uplifting, it was fun, you know, these sorts of feelings. And so it turns out her whole process is to, you know, check the name of the trademark office and the this and that, as well as this, this what she called nameology. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so she came back and so we played around with it. And then we thought we, then we were thinking, well, maybe it should be called Podopoly, like the Monopoly game. And it's yeah. like, well, that's completely opposite to abundance mindset. So it can't mm -hmm. be that. Um, Cause when people play Monopoly, I mean, they turn into yeah. nasty people, right? So like, no, like that, that can't be it. So uh, Podopolo, 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 Podopolo. And now it's kind of funny because it's always a it's always a topic of conversation. And I've had people ask me if that's my surname and I'm Greek. And <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> Melinda Podopolo. Someone last night told me I should change my name just to Melinda Podopolo. That she like should be my name, right? Which I think is hilarious. Um, and uh, but yeah, like because it'll sound a bit Greek. Uh, it does. But, uh, it's meant to be musical. It's meant to be, you know, you know, it's podcasting. It's the sense of community. It's, you know, should be fun. But that's how we got the name. I love it. Oh wow, that's a longer that's story than you bargained on. <laughs> I'm so happy I asked that question because I was like, you know, I've always wanted to ask her that, and I was like, well, you know, I, I also want to close out the show by talking about um, the fact that you're building a billion-dollar business. I love that you're a female entrepreneur and you're saying that you're owning that, you know, because um, for me, 2023 has been so much shedding that I was like, you know what? I don't even know why I'm just like playing so small. I'm going to build a multi-million dollar business. And that was a big deal for me. You know what yeah. I mean? But as long as you've been in the game, you know, for you to come to this point and you're like, you know what? Billion dollar business, like, of course, so um, let's it took me a long time to get there because yeah, I, would be I, saying that. I would be saying that in that little inner voice, really, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. right in your head. And so overcoming that, but then the, just the evidence of it, like the, the business model itself is, is architected that way. So even, I mean, you know, imagine for a moment, I mean, here's, here's a little bit of insight into the economic or the business model of Podopolo, but just, so you have a whole bunch, you have a thousand podcasters that aren't even paying you any money. They're, they're free on the Podopolo platform and ads are being placed on their show. And imagine for a moment, they all have an average download of say 2000 people per episode and they publish, uh, I don't know, four times a month. So they're weekly. And from there you think, okay, well, uh, say we sell three ad spots into each one of those thousand podcasts with that amount of audience and that amount of frequency. Um, and our sales costs are 30%. And uh, the, the, the CPM is 25 cents, like 25, uh, 20, $25 CPM. So basically 25 cents for a thousand impressions. And which is a kind of base starting rate for podcast advertising across the industry. And uh, you do all that calibration and you, and you really figure out that you have 96 ad impressions per month, right? With a thousand podcasts. And, wow. and, and once you pay out like your cost of sales and then you just pay podcasters 30% of that. Uh, the podcasters aren't even paying us because the podcasters can upgrade to higher packages to get higher share of the ad revenue. Guess what that turns into in, in monthly net ad revenue? Yeah, obviously. A million, a million, dollars, yeah. A million dollars a month. And, that, mm -hmm. and that's how fast. Now, those thousand 
we have 6 million podcasts on the platform. And so, uh, you know, if you think about that, 2.2 million roughly are English language. Let's start there. That's a 0.05% conversion rate. Can we do better than a thousand podcasts, right? Yeah. And so we're just about to turn, we're just about to turn that on now, finally, uh, with our like ad network partners and whatnot, because we have like, you know, more than a thousand podcasters in that, you know, offer. And so podcasters will start, will come to Podopolo for free and just start getting ad revenue. Right. And that's like a big give, but it, it we can afford that give because. Right. Yeah. And, because and it's so, coming back. Yeah. Right. And so then you imagine for a moment that it's, it's a, uh, what Jeff Bezos used to talk about with Amazon in the early days is a flywheel model where each component part of the business builds on the other. So like, say, for instance, when we, you know, folks are licensing our technologies, we're getting paid for our technology to be licensed. But at the same time, that's bringing podcasters and bringing users and bringing advertisers into the platform, which are monetizing other. So in other words, the, 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 uh, the business model indicates that it would be difficult not to become a billion dollar business. Yeah. It's, it's obviously generative. Like I don't have to really mess up. Like, I mean, really <laughs> not get like, okay. There's all kinds of ways that I could mess up. Okay. Like I could just not get funded or we, we could hmm. we can have a team member that messes it up or just poor execution or like there's a zillion things that can go wrong, like to get there. But it's the thing is I had to go through that financial modeling exercise to like, prove it to myself. So it's not just like, oh, I'm going to be a billion dollar business woohoo, with no no idea of how to get there. Right. I have a very clear idea of exactly how like deal by deal, like very detailed of how to get there. And I had to go through that process to be able to, you know, and this is why I share this story, because it's really important a to know what you want. But know that there is a there is a plan, the plan may change, but there is a credible plan. And I mean, that is the only reason why we're even eligible as a company for venture funding, because the way they look at companies, they're not going to invest in you if they don't think you can be a billion dollar business, it's not worth their while. Just not yeah. like they won't. And so this is why, you know, women get such small shares of the venture capital is one of many reasons. Um, but it's because we play too small. Mm -hmm. The guys, no, the guys, this is a trillion dollar business. No problem. It's like, okay, yeah, here's a check, right? Um, and have no issue saying that women are all the, well, maybe it could be if I like, I don't know, maybe. And then they, women tend to, there've been all these studies into this. Women tend to uh, dampen down their forecasts. They tend to reduce their prices. They tend to, right. Whereas men over exaggerate, charge yes. more, <laughs> yeah, right. And then they get the checks because perceived as confidence yeah, yeah. and perceived as not being confident. So that whole thing has to change. And I remember before the pandemic, when I was having these retreats associated with the podcast, uh, Wings of the Empowered Woman, right? It was kind of associated with it. And I remember like in the sales calls for these saying, hey, we want to play a bigger game. And I would notice for a split second, this fear in each woman's eyes at, at, at the phrase play a bigger game. And I'm like, what's going on with that? Why are we afraid to play a bigger game? And I mean, I've come to the conclusion now is we're afraid of all kinds of things. We're afraid of abandonment. Like if we're really amazing and it means that we're making more money than our partners or, you know, husbands or whatever, and they're threatened 
or emasculated by that. So, or we'll never find a man or, uh, other women won't like us because we, we just literally don't fit in anywhere. Like how many other women are there like that? Like how many other women do you, do you have stuff in common with in, in that kind of community? And then it's all the kind of fear of shining your light and standing up there because the bigger the thing is, the more people are going to come at you. Right. So it's part of it. And it is true. So are you prepared for that? Uh, and that's been a real block for me to get over like that fear of just, standing and shining my light uh, whatever comes my way you know what I mean that's yeah I do I, I remember hard, when you interviewed me for your yeah. yeah remember you you interviewed me for your um your retreat and I disqualified myself in that conversation I don't, I don't know if you remember that but I I remember being interested and I was just like there's no way like I'm no <laughs> you know and um so I personally can relate to everything you're talking about. And I'm so happy that you're here now, you know, um, to the point where you're just owning it. And I love what you said about observable evidence, because I always talk about this, you know, and yeah. over, I mean, having observable evidence over fear is just like you, you, why would you be afraid if you know, like in your case, your example with the thousand free podcasters, and they get paid for advertising, right? They get some um, some money from sponsors. They get something for nothing. Yeah. They can actually use that money and upgrade their membership. It's like you're you're creating customers and giving them money to pay you. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's well, the like other thing we did, we launched like an ambassador program next year where we thought, well, we could advertise on Facebook because like who's heard that not very many people have heard of Podopolos. We had like a zero marketing budget. It's all been like word of mouth so far. And so we could pay, you know, to advertise on Instagram, TikTok, and we'll probably do that at some point. Or we could just pay podcasters directly to bring their audience to Podopolo. And like, and so I'd rather just pay the podcasters directly. So like in our ambassador program now, folks can earn up to $2 a listener for every listener they invite to Podopolo. And it's all tracked on affiliate software and stuff, right? And it's like, it keeps our user acquisition costs lower than it would be. We're not making Jeff Zuckerberg, you know, or Mark Zuckerberg or Jeff Bezos or anybody, you know, any of those Elon guys, Musk, any of those guys richer than they already are. Um, and we're actually, it's consistent with our mission to empower podcasters uh, and help them get discovered, grow their audience, engage their audience and make money from podcasting. Right. And, and so like it, it impacts all those kinds of decisions. And then you start to think, well, how many podcasters would do it? How many of their audience or whatever, but you can kind of actually kind of see that growth in a financial model. Yeah. So, yeah. So obviously here's the part where I'm inviting everyone to go to Podopolo. <laughs> Sign up and um, this. Episode. Oh my goodness, my dog. My, That's okay. Huh? Augie, stop it. Augie um, is an English cream golden retriever. He's so cute and he's quiet all the time, unless somebody comes to the door, in which case, uh, you know, it's kind of, it's, I think I translated as something like, Mom, there's someone at the door, there's someone at the door, there's someone at the door. It's like, I know. <laughs> anyway, I'm like Augie. Like Augie's actually the uh, mascot for Podopolo, so he, oh. he had to make his he had to make his presence known. So you know, he was part of the interview anyway. So 
<laughs> exactly. We planned that on cue. Before we end, yeah. we must hear from Augie. <laughs> he feels better about himself now. Yeah. So it's good. Yeah, he's been heard. <laughs> he's been heard. So um, thank you for being here, Melinda. And I'm going to put you on solo view. If you could just share some last words of wisdom for us. Ah, okay. Let's see. Words of wisdom. Well, I would say really start practicing gratitude uh, because it really brings you into that kind of present moment of, of, of what really, uh, all the things that you're grateful for, and it just makes you feel good and who doesn't want to feel good. So that is a really important thing. And, you know, when you're in the present moment, uh, you have more power. And so just being mindful of that. And if you are an entrepreneur or thinking of becoming an entrepreneur, know that it's a journey. It's not really a destination that, uh, in fact, there's going to be all kinds of swings and roundabouts and like great moments, heart crushing, heart stopping moments um, where you're tested really at every step of that journey. But to just take it for what it is. It's just about learning and you're learning from each thing. And so what's happening to you ultimately is happen happening for you. And I like an entrepreneur is almost alchemists, right? How can we turn coal into diamonds? So that's kind of part of the program. So that would be my advice. <laughs> that's perfect. Thank you so much. And I have learned so much in this time being with you. And um, for those of you who are viewing and listening, if you've benefited, share this with another heart, share this with another soul. And until next time, be free. Thank you for listening to the free to be show. And now allow yourself to go into the oceans of your mind and go within and offer yourself the opportunity to be a sacred experience. A sacred experience is just simply allowing yourself to start fantasizing. What would it feel like to truly be free to be in the way that you were created, in the way that you show up in everything you do and every way you be. Fantasize how you can truly be free. And connect with me at CordeliaGaffar.com.